0: Countdown for blast-off. X minus 5, minus 4, minus 3, minus 2, X minus 1. Fire! Yes, Hi it's it's Greg. How are you? Hi Greg, how are you
1: doing?
0: Oh, very good, thanks. Good, good. Well, you know, I first encountered your work when I was reading the uh the book you edited propaganda. I enjoyed it very yeah. much and Thank you. from there I moved on to Take Care Son. And that's your 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 book about your father and and his battle with dementia and Alzheimer's.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And when I went back over your your body of work, um, I saw thirty years of of private eye and uh, and jobs. There's so much variety in your career and and so many different uh, books and themes you've covered that I think that might be the best entry point for us to to your work. Right.
1: Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, I mean, like I said, I've been a full time artist cartoonist now for um, for thirty years. Um, working, you know, in various in magazines all over the world and lots of things. Um, I started out doing cartoons for hippie magazines, and I used to read Punch when I worked in advertising, and I used to read Punch, and I used to love the cartoons in there. And um, my dad had tried to be a... I'd send cartoons out to various papers with no luck, and I'd seen these, and I think something in those, and Punch, the combination, I just thought... <clears throat> i like to do, you know, so i like, like to um, spend my life drawing cartoons. Um, it was a very slow process from that to becoming a full-time cartoonist. You know, I, was, I had about three or four jobs working in the evening, um, sending cartoons out. I was very prolific, but, you know, when you, you've had a full day's work, you come home, you're not always in the mood to sit down again and start again.
0: Well, you were spent, uh, but yeah.
1: You were spent, yeah. I mean... And you don't have a lot of, you get, you get so many rejection slips that you kind of, it, if you don't believe in yourself, then you could, you, I mean, most people pack in, I think. Um, but I did believe in myself, and I actually love what I did, so it was, it was a hobby. I remember writing to a couple of the magazines, um, asking two of them, there's a magazine called Mayfair, and I asked Punch magazine why they didn't buy my cartoons, and Mayfair said, um, Oh, we like your drawings, but we don't like your jokes. And points said the like your <laughs> jokes, but we don't like your drawings. And I just thought, I'll just do what I want to do. And if it happens, it happens. I can't, you know, that doesn't make sense. So,
0: no, yeah, Mayfair is that the the men's magazine?
1: It was, yeah. I don't think it exists anymore. But no, it, no. I used to do a lot of. I used We're, to do a lot of men, um, men's magazines. So there's a, there's. Um, I got in play by actually play by wrote yeah. to me asked me if I could draw for them um
0: i haven't thought about um, play- i haven't thought uh, about mayfair in decades and um no. And no, but, no, uh, no but there's so many authors and 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 artists began in in adult magazines too hustler playboy and, and i used to take a ferry every day from the island i lived and mayfair and playboy both were always on the table of the cruise quarters the right. people that staffed their ships yeah, so. well, we, we had a few words from downmark about like Fiesta and May
1: yeah. there's men only and uh, and the men on Paul Raymond magazines, and I was got big in those.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and Playboy eventually right, was the peak of the the men's magazines when they wrote. Cause I'd get cartoons back that uh, what they did. Um, the cartoons was went round um, a committee, and if it got more than four signatures, it was accepted. And there's a few I had with Hugh Hefner's signature on, and so you know that was um, quite interesting. Oh, that's so, but the, I, I did turn full time in 1984. I just, I'd been working as a, a, a jewelry repairer or a job in jeweler um, for 12 years and hated it and I was rubbish at it. And I got voluntary redundancy and um, I just decided I was going to, uh, you know, give it a go. If it worked, it worked. And I had a book published called "100 Uses for a Severed Head." <laughs> um, that was kind of based on 100 Uses for a Dead Cat which was a big book over here
0: yeah um, actually we yeah, had that here as well that. I remember that
1: yeah Simon Bond um, so it was kind of not a ripoff, but it was it was, I was jumping on the bandwagon really
0: I think the, hom- um, the word homage maybe inspired by it um,
1: yeah I think that yeah. <laughs> and it was, um, it was a- oh god can you hang on some sure Thank you. Yeah, Can I take your Pause,
0: yeah, All right. See
1: Bye. Bye. Hello? Yep. Hi there. Yeah, sorry. That's sorry. all right. Um, yeah, so um, I turned full-time and I started sending to Private Eye. Someone told me that yeah. Private Eye was a closed market and you had to know Richard Ingrams, who was the editor, and you had to... Be part of this little creek that was in London, so I didn't bother for years. And then I did send some, and they just took two straight away. And it was when he and his lap took over, and they started using the cartoons every week. And I had been beaten up by a gang of skinheads when I was a hippie, had you tell, long hair and a hippie approach to life, and um, I got beaten up by a gang of skinheads. So I. I started to draw them because I'm not a violent person. I, I don't, I'm not a violent person, and um, so I b- got my own back. You know the pen and and the sword stuff. And he then I got a letter from me in his lap, and he said, "We love your skinhead cartoons. Do you fancy doing a strip called Yobs? And we'll give it a short run and see how it goes." And that was like 28 years ago. So, <laughs> um, and unfortunately, there's still plenty of subject matter because. The yobs, my view are increasing, and they might be different. I mean, even even upper-class yobs, you know, there's these city boys and, you know, and the Ferraris, there's bigger yobs than some of the kids on the back streets. But, so that took off. Um, I was very big in private eye, and by then I'd won about three or four w- Cartoon of the Year awards for gag cartoonists of the year, and um, we call them gags, you know, the stuff you get in New York. um
0: yeah, um, a single panel cartoons, but gags. Single panel yeah.
1: joke, joke cartoons, gag cartoons. Um, I, I, people say, you know, you get a scriptwriter, but everything I've ever done is my own. I don't need, I don't use a scriptwriter. I never have done, I've written scripts for other people. And, um, so, yeah, then, so I was, I was then in private eye. I started sending notes to National Papers. There was a newspaper called The Daily Star that came out, and... The cartoon editor loved my work, so he was buying stuff. So, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. I won a number of awards.
0: Um, A question for you tell uh, tell us what a yob is. That's not a common expression in North America.
1: Yeah, a yob. I mean, it's boy backwards. Mm. Um, It's just um, someone who's. They kind of drink a lot, they fight a lot. The, the bullies, um, they cause trouble. You know, you have them in, you know, all over the world as yobs. Oh yeah, we just call them yobs. Yeah, yeah. Yes, um, I mean it's sold in Germany um, in in Bravo magazine, Germany, but they didn't have a word for yobs. They called it hooligans. Yeah. So it's a kind of hooligan thing. It's a universal phenomenon. Um, yes, it is. I mean, they they could be from any country except. So, He's obviously English, and the police are English, and it's an English situation. that oh, British, sorry. So, but,
0: for me know, to jump it, in, then it, the, the uh, so the the magazine suggested that the theme yobs. It Ride was
1: hislop who who, um, who came up with the idea for a strip called Yobs, and I've got the letter somewhere. It's um, basically it says hi, Tony. Richard is, Richard was, was the editor then, and Ian was just about to take over the editor. Yeah. Uh, being editor, and um, they just—I think he was bringing his own ideas in, and you know, so he just said, "We'll give it a short run and see how it goes." And um, I was—I remember that I was early in bed, and my wife bought me a letter, and for me, and I just got up straight away and started trying, because um, you don't get opportunities like that very often.
0: No, you take. What's
1: um needed. so and it was good because in a way, I—I I were writing the Playboy had written to me asking me for, to work for them, so. And then Punk started
0: buying eventually, so I was in all the. Right now, Private Eyes, to uh, uh, the top-selling current affairs magazine in the UK, I understand. And was yeah. it as popular? Uh, it's been around since the '60s, I think. Was it as was it in its prime <laughs> it's, at, it, at that time?
1: Yes, yeah, I mean it's always been in its prime. Private yeah, it Eyes always been. It's, it's never waned, you know. It's always had been in the same. It's you know I mean it's anti-establishment in lots of ways, but it's establishment in other ways, Um, and it's one of the few magazines that stands up for people and and can criticise the you know the big companies and the banks and and get away with it. I mean, you used to get sued all the time. Oh, I imagine you have to be careful there.
0: We've got collections of. of, We've got collections of Private Eye at at all the libraries in Canada. I remember it growing up because there are lots of English people where I lived. a little yeah. place called Bowen, Ireland, and lots of English people there. And so we've actually got bound copies of every private eye um, in oh, wow, most of the libraries, good. going right back, well, going back to the beginning. And I was looking at that's yours, right. and I, I think it was March 84 or something when your first, uh, when I first saw your work start popping into private eye.
1: Yeah, that, that was strange, because in those days, I, I used to have to drive a cartoon up as a finished cartoon. Uh, nowadays, I just send them off because you know, you know, I guess I've got a name. And uh, I remember sending a batch of cartoons to Private Eye, Send them 10 at a time. And, um, and they came back. And there's um, a rejection slip in it. So I sent them to someone else. I sent them to the next magazine on the food chain, you know, the one that pays a bit less.
0: Sure.
1: Um, and then a friend of mine rang me and he said, Wow, well, you kept that quiet. So I said, What? He said, You've got two cartoons in Private Eye? I said, I have them. He said, Yeah. I said, I can't. Have. They rejected it. They rejected my last batch. And so he said, go and get a copy, so I did and there's two old cartoons in there. Son
0: of a gun hey. So
1: I rang them up and it was Hillary who just left last a few weeks ago, I was being with them right from the start, Hillary on reception. I said, oh, excuse me, you've used some of my cartoons in private. eye and she went, Oh yes, that's all right, we're really sorry. Uh, I hope you all know, don't mind and I went, No no I don't I don't mind, I'm gonna <laughs> blow it, you know and so I was thinking, Oh God, you know, don't blow it straight away but so um, but they're such a lovely company to work for, a lovely magazine. It's like being part of a family. You know, it's just great. You know, when my dad died, they sent me a lecture saying, you know, they're all and doing sorry. And it's, you know, it's just, uh, and they treat you fairly, you get bonuses. You know, they, they don't let you down. Uh, a lot of magazines do, and, you know, there's no royalty, but there's Private Eye.
0: Really? Well, that's wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I've heard yeah. It's, that's the case. It, well, it's piecework here and there. And with Private Eye, it's been, what well, has been steady for 30 years. A question for you. When yeah. you originally began yobs, you you touched on the fact at that time you're a bit of a hippie. You know, I was looking at yeah. some of your photos from when you you began oink prior to that, and you looked solidly hippie. And um, <coughs> so, when you were, what led up to this fight? I mean, that being beaten up by a bunch of yobs it seems to have been the luckiest yeah, thing that ever was, happened to you.
1: In, in what led the, to that? I used to have long hair, you know, like, sure. right down to my shoulders. Sure, so did everybody. And I had a, yeah, do you know, do you not see me either um, with Dennis Hopper? And he wore oh, a costume yeah. jacket. Yeah. Well, I had one of those jackets. And we used to go, I love music, I absolutely adore music, it's, it's saved my life a few times. But I used to uh, go to all the festivals and we were at a party. And this girl, as stupidly, just handed out invitations in the local town. And these drunken skinheads, about 30 of them, came up. And the party was very boring, most of them left, but two or three hung around, so we just said, glad the party's finished, can you go? So we kind of efforted and blinded a bit, and went. So when the party did finish, we went to the chip shop, and um, suddenly we heard these running footsteps, and we came out, and all these skinheads were coming down, and just said, one of them just said, who's got the knife? And... he came over to me and said oh I think it's Buffalo Bill because I've got my jacket on yeah. and he said we don't have knives you know we've we not threatened anybody he said you threatened a mate with a knife and then suddenly they just piled into us and one of them held a knife to my throat and it was scary and, and I mean in those days nobody um, there's no counselling or anything like that so it, it kind of it kind of knocked me in a big way because I stopped going to places I would go to naturally you know I'd, I'd get them in a way, and I I'd, I'd I'd became incredibly aware of atmospheres where
0: yeah.
1: I could walk into a room and know there was a, a, a sense of violence or something might happen, and then I'd go, and I'd always have an excuse whenever I went anywhere to get out, to leave, so I'd always tell people, yeah, I've got to go, but I've got to get off by 10 o'clock, so, and if I was enjoying it, I'd say, well, I may as well stay because I'm enjoying it, but if I wasn't, I'd already told people, so it kind of changed my life. Um, was it a and, you small know, town?
0: Were you, were you in Hyde at that time?
1: Or? Well, I was in Hyde. Yeah, yeah. But it's only ten miles from Manchester, so it's kind of a big spread of towns. And, yeah, and the lads who did it were from Denton, um, and the the girl hangs out the park. You know, so it was like these little industrial towns in the north of England, these little mill town type places. So, it was,
0: did you ever encounter these people later on?
1: No, I keep wondering whether to put, um, I think on Facebook the same, can anyone remember beating me up 30, 40 years ago <laughs> um, outside a chip shop on Hattersway But, um, you know, I've still got a buckskin jacket with bloodstains on it. That's um, still upstairs. So, um, but no, they're still, um, I'd love to meet them, actually, and what? see what fun they got from it, because they'll all be granddad's beds now.
0: Will they be different you know, people, I hope
1: yeah totally different people yeah. and you probably don't remember so, um, ever doing it perhaps I don't know, but, you know so when you, you know, begin
0: Yob's, think. what was your intention to satirize or to lampoon Yob culture
1: uh, basically, I, was it the I, opportunity it was to um I hate bullies bullying is one of the things I hate top of the list really so um it was a good excuse to get at bullies and the ludicrousness of their arguments and the you know the you know, just to highlight them as being quite pathetic in a way, which, you know, a lot of my jobs in there aren't really violent, they're quite sad people, a lot of them. Because a lot of them have their sad lives and they're jobless and they've, you know, they've got no no chance. Uh, and a lot of them, are, you know, came from cruel backgrounds, so they, they're got cruel themselves. So i um, kind of not merciless on them, but... Um, and then the, then the Yobettes came, you know, the young girls who began arriving on the scene, who got drunk every... Every Friday and Saturday night in the streets, and you see them falling over and being sick, and there's that group of girls. There's always one crying, and all the other girls saying, "Why are you crying?" And it's, it's you know, so there's all this, you know, all this stuff going on.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So it's basically to satirise them and, in a way, embarrass the bullies and, kind of get my own back as well because um, I don't put them in a good light. It was funny when the German. Um, it became big in Germany. We called it Hooligans. and I got letters. I got phone calls from Nuremberg Skins against racism, um, and they were um, a group of skinheads who loved reggae and ska music, and but they were against racism. They were the good guys, and they they um, kind of adopted me as their in-house cartoonist and um, started sending me all sorts of um, of. You know stuff in the post like you know uh, fr- uh, frid- fridge magnets and posters and things with the you know the reggae and ska events. It was quite funny really. So I got to know them quite well, and they were good lot. Like, they were a good lot. Like. So, but they they understood what I was trying to do as well, yeah. and they understood that I was against all the rubbish you that know, the right wing and the National Front and everybody else was coming up with. So, um, but it's you know I, I, it's one of the things i still look forward to doing as well. And, and I still get a thrill from being in private eye, even after all these years. When I got Ian two six from the last batch of my gags, which is great, you know. And uh, after thirty years, he's still taking six cartoons from one batch, and that was um, that was a, a thrill, you know, after yeah. all this time.
0: Yeah, no, it would be. Well, before that, if you don't mind, you, you touched on it briefly that you worked as a jobber, a jeweler, for twelve years. And if if you don't mind going back to the beginning, what how do you start out? Where did your 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 love for comics and cartooning begin? Or how did it begin?
1: I it began with, um, I loved drawing at school and I kind of checked into um, fashion design and um, wallpaper design. There's a wallpaper design company in the area and I tried, tried to do that again to the, um, you know, the graphic side of it. But I wasn't technically that good. I didn't go to art college. But what I found was, Cartoon came natural to me. Yeah. Natural to me. And they flowed, you know, I mean it wasn't a struggle uh, straight away. I I've read all the Punch cartoonists and the you know, I had heroes like Foxx and Mike Williams and, and Stempe, the French guy. Yeah. And um, my all time hero is a guy called Pons, Pont, P O N T. Pont, that's
0: um, right. Well, and, started, and the Pont well, Award you were you received a Pont Award. That's a good time. I won't do British. Yeah.
1: yeah, for the Join the British way of life. And I, you know pumps work.
0: From the research I've gone back and, and done recently, yes.
1: Yeah, I, I just think he's, he's my favorite cartoonist. And he, he died when he was 30, which is, his output was amazing. But just the way he drew people and the way he just caught, the way people are, just just these silly things that people take for granted and just don't see. I think that's what I get. I just get the the quirkiness of, of the British. There's an eccentricity to the British. And I think I get that. Um, I don't go looking for it. I think I just get it naturally. Um, and my mum had a deaf studio And my dad had a creative side to him. So I picked up those. And so, I, you know, I started drawing for hippie magazines in Manchester. Um so what titles were they?
0: What titles did they have for hippie magazines? There so?
1: was one called Graf I, G-R-A-S-S-E-Y-E, Graph I. And the other one, Mole Express, M-O-L-E. Express and a bit like International Times, um, that sort of feel to them. And um, Ray Lowry, a famous North Punch cartoonist from this area, drew for them as well. Um, and they were, I didn't get paid for them, but you know, if they got albums to review, they'd give me the albums if they didn't want them and stuff like that. Um, and I started. I worked in an ad- ad- advertising agency called Wilson Advertising. And they had, um, they, one of their clients was Burlington Catalogues, which were mail order catalogues, and they had their own staff magazine. Burlington? The first paid Burlington. Yes. It's um, it's a mail order catalogue. They don't exist now, I don't think. No. Um, And so they paid me to do it, got £100 for a page of cartoons, which in 1970 wasn't bad, really. Uh, but I didn't get paid for any others for a long time after that. Um, I started sending them to the, you know, like the newspapers, like the Mirror, and lots of other magazines. There were loads of magazines, and you could send to. Um, There's very few now, but in those days there was a, a dozen magazines. So you'd, you'd send to the one that paid the best. Um, whatever they didn't buy, you sent to the one that paid second best. Yes. And you work your way down to. There's one. There's
0: I'm glad, one I'm glad the you community. went in that order.
1: Yeah. Well, there's one called the Weekly News that paid like three pounds, you know, so you kind of ended up with them and they used to take loads. So, you know, so, but, and I was so prolific, was, you know, I mean, I still am.
0: Did this, uh, was this an interest, tell me what your interests were as a kid. Like if we go right back to the beginning, um, you know, often kids are doodling or getting into trouble or you see a glimmer of what they're going to do later. You know, as a kid
1: yeah, I kind of lived in the country, yeah. so I lived. I wasn't part of the, um, you know, I went to street kid because I lived way out in the country. So I was my friends, and brothers. Um, I had school friends, but my big interest was football. I played football twenty four hours a day with my brothers, who all, instant in football,
0: big and,
1: family. Um, for three brothers, um, four of us, three brothers. I was the oldest, and. Um,
0: what did your and mom and dad
1: we, do for uh, a living? Well, my mum was um, a mum and housewife because she, you know, she lived in the isolated cottage. Sure. So again, she didn't drive, so it must have been a nightmare for her. My dad was worked in the mail order industry. He was worked all old um, traffic warehouses, and he was like um, an executive there, and he's quite a. He was a bit of a trouble shooter, you know. Going, it he, he was it was his job to make sure that all the people who put their products in the catalogue delivered the, cat- the products on time, yeah. so you know none of the customers who ordered through the catalogue kept waiting. So I think he had a stressful job. Um, he's a very good pianist, um, and so we had you know there's a lot of creativity there. But music, as I said, football and music, and, and and the joy of the countryside, nature, because well, we had, our, the, our playing ground was like the whole of. It's called Werner Law, but it's like this this hill overlooks Hyde and Manchester. And it's where I live now. It's beautiful. Um, I can send you pictures of it. But um, it was so, it was, you know, I was just playing football all day, listening to music, and still, I don't play football now. I play a bit of golf. I play golf, I used to play a lot, but not yeah. much. But music is still the passion that I have, and well, that would be with me. I still go to rock gigs. I'm working at a festival on the Saturday. Festival number six, which is a rock venue, you know. A lot of my friends are are rock are musicians, and um, and all younger than me because they've got a young mind still. Mm-hmm. So that's how I. That was what I did as a child. I was, you know, it wasn't academic in any way. Um, I enjoyed certain lessons like history and art and football, but maths and science were. I didn't take. to. liked which I could write very good essays. Um, so, yeah, that was my childhood background.
0: And when did uh, you, you know, your interest in art and cartooning or your ability to first begin to express itself? When, when do you remember?
1: Yeah, well, um, probably I, I remember looking back and I remember writing a story, and I've got it somewhere, about a teacher said you had to write a story about yourself. And it was when I was 13, and it was Describe Yourself. And as I was, I'm still on self-critical of my appearance, but I, I kind of wrote and... I said, but, and I said thing, um, and then we come to my arms, probably the best part of my body. Um, <laughs> and especially my left arm, my left arm, because believe me, there is talent in that arm and you will see it one day. And that was when I was 13. So, I mean, I'm left-handed. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, whatever I had, I knew I had a, a talent somewhere in there. Um, so I, I was drawing all the time and, um, you know, it was my favorite subject. I had a very good teacher, Mr. Howarth, who encouraged sort of experimentation and and to free your mind, don't be restricted. So that was good. And I love drawing. I remember, though, when when um, I was working as a jeweler, I, I did a lot of pen and ink drawings, and I thought, I'll go around and see if we can, can live in the countryside and some nice English cottages. So, I'll go around and say, I can do. Commission, would you commission me to do your, draw your cottage? And um, the first door knocked on, this guy I said, Oh, yes, come in, that's an idea. So how old were you and went, then? And he was not. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was probably six, 17. Um, so,
0: around 67, and I went 68 to the,
1: then. Sorry, Pardon? Around
0: 67,
1: sorry? 68 then. Yes, it yeah. would be 68, yeah. Um, oh, no, no, that was later, that was probably, no, this was later, it when it was a duel. As when I was a window dresser, I was a window dresser as well. But the first house I knocked on was this beautiful, quaint cottage, and I knocked on the door and I said to this guy, oh, you know, will you commission me to do some of my work? And he said, oh, come in, that's interesting, that. And I went here and he was a landscape artist, and it was like his walls were full of these amazing drawings that were way beyond what I could do. And I felt so really useless. So, um, but he was nice, and he explained, he gave me some loads of tips, and, you know, he was a nice guy. Um, But then I realized, well, perhaps this isn't the way forward because there are people a lot more, you know, talented than I am with a paintbrush. Um, But I did start reading Punch and sending cartoons out, and I did love that, and I did believe in that.
0: So what Um, inspired you to make that step, though? I mean, so did you go to work straight out of school then? I mean, I guess you've...
1: yeah, Yeah, in those days... I wanted to go to art college, um, but my dad won't let me. How come? He said he had to get a job. Yeah. Um, he said, he said get, you know, get a proper job type thing. So I went into advertising. Oh, God, there's somebody else that's going to help. That's we'll be... all right. Don't worry about it. Uh, I'm on the phone. Can you... Yeah, he's just above there. <laughs>
0: Um, gas meter now. <laughs> that's, it's, a, uh, that's brilliant. Who was the last person you are signing for a package? You know, yeah, the last person I could...
1: Is it? Right, yeah. No, that's yeah. all right. That's um, funny, though.
0: You know, we don't... We we used to have gas meter readers, but the last couple of years, we went to these digital I, meters, and everybody's up in arms
1: yeah, because the other, it's the, big meter. Yeah, we have an electric one and a yeah. gas one. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so... I just uh, love being a cat- I love the idea of I actually love the idea of being a cartoonist. I remember dreaming as a kid that my ambition was to have a cottage in the country and just do drawing, just draw and paint. Um and I've done that, you know. I have got a nice house in the country, on the edge of the countryside, next to a country park and overlooking the pen Islands on one side and monster on the other. Um and there was a big garden and everything, so
0: Oh, It sounds beautiful. I have. What age were you when you yeah, when guess. you conceived that image of yourself living in the country as an I artist? Think
1: I think I used to live in the lot. We're living in the countryside.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, and just I used to live and not being out and about and not being a street life kid, and it was a bit of a pain to go all the way just to meet friends in hide. So I kind of I kind of lived in the head of bit, I think, because um, it was kind of I suppose I the three brothers, but they're all younger than me, and those farmers. Around farmers and their kids. Yeah. When we had rivalries and all this, but most of the time it was just like, you know, I found music and um, I found my imagination and um, living in my head really was a lot of the time. So as a teenager, you you know. yeah.
0: And what kind of music
1: yeah, were you into? Well, I mean, my very the song that turned me onto to music was Buddy Rich and uh, not Buddy Rich and um, Sing Sing ben, Benny Goodman. Gene Krupa oh really young, yeah. hey
0: the big band music yeah but uh yeah, yeah my, buddy rich was a great drummer and then gene, gene group gene gene Krupa Krupa. Uh, yeah they were beautiful yeah
1: so really because well, you hey, know things, I, I
0: was thinking of rock and roll and the the rock was just taking off with
1: that because my dad was into art show benny goodman glenn miller so they were on my dad played boogie with yeah. piano so that, Sing, Sing, then, Sing with the Swing, uh, I love
0: that one. And then the, uh, the drum yeah, solo that Jim yeah, yeah. Cooper does is beautiful. Yeah,
1: Jim Cooper, yeah, but it, there's a film on Sing, Sing, and it's uh, on YouTube, of, it's about three minutes of Sing, Sing, and you can see where Keith Moon got his, where Keith Moon came from. It's so charismatic, Jim Cooper, just, I just love. So that was my big music switch, but then the Stones came along, and then, you know, all the, the 60s, the Kinks, and everybody... The Stones were my band. And so yeah, and there, are, there are two types
0: watching. of men, weren't there? There is a clean Beatles boy, and then there was that Foo right, yeah. and the Rolling Stones man. And real,
1: so yeah, that, you rolling, were the they're, latter, they're hey? yeah? No, so that was it. Are you Beatles or Stones? Are you mobs or rockers? And um, I was old Stones and love the Stones. I've got every album they ever did, feeling about thirty times. I mean, I know now trip you know they're just a cabaret band in a way, but when they were at the best there was nobody better. So but I, They're still better so than a lot that, of I mean,
0: people starting out nowadays. I mean there's some beautiful acts now. But they still yeah,
1: got it. They still have it yeah. without any question. And they still got that kind of uh, they still got the charisma and they still they've still got great songs. And they um but, but so then, then there's like all the hippie psychedelic Neil Hendrix and all the San Francisco bands. I now No,
0: were you into the and San Francisco then, sound at all? Because yeah, there was uh,
1: yeah the Jeff Snow playing a messenger service yeah. and I love, love were amazing and and then Captain Beefheart.
0: Yeah,
1: I've done to love Captain Beefheart and um, you know I, and people like that um, and the blues, I, you know the blues singers. So it was all these people, and then it developed.
0: Originally, starting out for the big band music. I mean, that's for for a young kid, though. That's pretty idiosyncratic uh, tastes. I mean, even back then, did did he get that from it your father? With, I, know, or my from my
1: where? I remember my dad. I remember my dad, i was grateful for him. For he said, "Duke Ellington and Ella uh, Fitzgerald were touring, and he got me tickets."
0: Oh, He said, my. "You have
1: to go and see these." So I went to see Duke Ellington and Ella Fitzgerald, and um, you know that was my dad. Just you know, so that's where. But he, he didn't go. You know, I said, are you coming? He said, no, no, but you got me. How, well, it expensive
0: probably,
1: but, right? Yeah, it probably was. So I went on my own. He, he was away a lot as well, so he might, So I went on my own, and it was magical, you know what I mean? Not many people said they saw them. No. Um, I saw that, and, but the music, and I know a lot of them. I've got involved in music. I, um, I, was, you know, I know a lot of the Manchester music scene, the big bands of Manchester, I know them friends and a friend of mine a radio disc jockey um, so you know I, music is a major part of my life and I've got drunk it in the studio and I've got thousands of CDs and it's passed on to my son as well Paul is yeah. a good guitar player but unfortunately sold all his guitars for the drugs but um, he still can play guitar Is he better now? So. Yes he is he's, um, he's in a different place now Greg is
0: which ones yeah, were they? Was, Which drugs?
1: then? Which drugs were they? And, heroin and crack. Oh. so the worst, really. Um, you know, three years ago, I thought I was going to lose my son, and, and you know, we've got him in rehab now. Now my granddad, and he's a very fine photographer, good photographer. He's not being full-time, but I think he could do. Um, he's got the Sarah and Phoebe, and now he's got your own baby, so. Yeah.
0: People come back from That's that, me. but it, it is hard, I believe.
1: Yeah, it is hard, and it, it, a lot of people don't come back from it. But most don't come back. So, and you have got to always be aware that Paul is an addict, and he is, and you know one, you know he's only one step back, and he's back in it. So, it's, so it doesn't move all over time.
0: But he's in a program, he was, or, and he has a support group.
1: He went to a rehab, um, he doesn't do AA, he doesn't like that, because you know, it's too religious, though, yeah. but he, um We got him in a rehab centre down in Bournemouth, um, which cost him a lot of money, but, you know, it didn't, that didn't matter, because we just wanted our sunlight. Yeah. Um, he spent time in there, and then he relapsed when he came out, and I was, the lights gone out at the end of the tunnel, and we didn't know what to do, he came back here. And I went to a party, it was a band called Elbow, a, British band, a big British band, who were friends of mine, and it was one of their parties. sat at this big table and um, talking to with some of the band and the families, it was a family party. And this other family I talked to this guy, and I just thought, what do you do? He so said, I'm, I'm head of drug and alcohol recovery in Lancashire. And I went, fucking hell of all the people to sit next to. And that was the start of Paul's Getting Better, that, that chance meeting Uh, because they took him on board and helped him so it's I'll send you yeah yeah it's but uh, at the same time as Paul was going through his worst my dad was going through his worst dementia
0: but it all happened at the same time when your dad Uh, was in the midst of Alzheimer's it'd be hard to forget work it'd be hard just to keep it all together with all that going on yeah it was I did I did
1: you do you do you just go into a different room and you have to, yeah perhaps my salvation i mean that's where the book um the dad's book came from it's and a beautiful book a
0: cartoon strip you have everything yeah, of true. yours that i've read and i've read half a dozen things now um yeah that uh, i imagine is has a yeah, everyone's favorite um and we've all i think f- so Family with many people have family with Alzheimer's or dementia, or yeah. I've got a brother with with Parkinson's, and well, they overlap to some extent, yeah.
1: Yes, they do, and um, it does touch a lot of people. That's you know the rewarding thing. I and mean, it's you know, I think my dad, and am glad my dad can help people because people can understand it and perhaps a bit more looking at it that way than just reading hundreds and hundreds of pages of some you know technical book um, but yeah it's, it's, that happened, just sat in my room one night just with a bottle of wine um, just listening to music and then thinking about my dad and just had this conversation with him in my head and thought I'll draw this so I tried to draw it and I thought oh, that was good and I showed a few people and they thought it would be possibly the most important thing I've ever done so um, then I showed it Stephen Fry and Stephen well, said can I tweet it so he tweeted it and it became big then and then the publisher emailed me and said this is Stephen's tweets of your book can we you know do you fancy doing a book of it and so I did yeah.
0: when I read that you know it, it reminds me your know, father and a mother too a father plays a very central role in a person's life and when I hear your story, it, it sounds as though your dad played a very central role in yours too. Yeah, I remember actually one of the pages you mentioned your your dad's uh, piano playing ability. It uh, yeah. didn't deteriorate, it stayed there. And he played uh, uh, music in the army, didn't he? Yeah, he was a musician. Uh, he
1: wasn't a musician by trade, but he was very, very, very good. He had talent. He was a very... And he did play in bands in the army, and yeah. some of the bands played in like the big brand, the big swing bands that we talked about, you know, because they'd been gone, they gone into the army during the war, some yeah. of these people from the Joe Loss band and people like that. So he had just playing with the likes of them uh, on piano, and you know, playing these and these. So he, he had a little band in the army with, I think, one of the drummers was in one of the big British bands, Tommy Darcy, I think it was. Yeah. Which I think he was Tommy Darcy, but so and those guys can play. So you know that shows what he was up. To. And he would sit down anywhere he would go. And we'd you know we would go on a holiday, and if there was a after a few drinks, he just if there was a piano in the room, he'd just sit down and start playing along, and and just people would just stop and listen because he was good. Um,
0: Tell me a bit about your dad, if you don't mind. What did he do in the army?
1: Um, well, he was in the signals corps. Um, he got in at the end of the war because he was, he was only, I think he was 16 or 17 when he joined up. I think he lied about his age as well, but it became... Um, um,
0: was you know, there much uh, bombing where your dad grew up? Where did your dad bombing. grow up, by the way?
1: He grew up in the, in, in the area here in oh. um It's called Ashton in Nordenshaw, which is about five miles from here. Uh, and Manchester was... Manchester was bombed and he was um he was an air raid warden yeah and the you know he'd be a young lad but he was on he did air raid warden but and he was a bit of a scrapper in the in school and I think he took his martial arts badge um in the army and became a teacher so oh, <laughs> I think he could handle himself so he
0: kept four um, you have three brothers so you all stayed in order
1: oh yeah he was quite he was strict with us he was definitely strict with us and um you know, he wasn't, you know, we didn't, we didn't ask for any, any sort of spends or, um, we had to work for everything. So I think that's probably in one way. So we, the four of us all worked very hard still. Um, He left us with a work ethic, that's for sure. Um, But he also left me with a sort of creative talent.
0: Your dad painted as well, if I understand from your book.
1: Yeah, he was a watercolor. He loved his watercolours. He wasn't, Brilliant, but he, he got a lot of pleasure from it, and he gave, you know, he did a Christmas card every year of his own, and um, he was, you know, it was something he just loved doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, you know, he, he'd do got paintings for people, give them his presents. Yeah, he was. Um, he, he loved his his art. Um, so that's that's where a man comes from. And then the mum had a daft sense of humour. Know, it was a bit, silly, you know, a bit. The number's a bit eccentric, and just you know, just add a laugh, really. Um, and so, this combination, I think, is where I came
0: mm-hmm. from. <laughs> That's nice. What eccentric in what way? Was she funny or playful? Or? Uh, just
1: just fun and just um, just you know, she get up to everything. She was good one, a good one at playing tricks on people, and you know, she didn't. You know, she just went slightly off the the straight road, and but in a good way yeah that's good um, I think
0: a person needs that
1: yeah I think so I think yeah definitely yeah
0: so when you wanted to be a cartoonist then you mentioned earlier your dad was keen on you having a career and a profession I I imagine to raise a family and to be solid um was there was it a natural thing to go into cartooning then did you have much support I mean tell me about that transition when you said you know I'm going to be a cartoonist
1: well, I was married then, and um so i would left home and got a baby, I was working as a jeweler. I wasn't earning very much money. I didn't like it, so it wasn't like I'd got a lot to lose um and it, at that time there were lots of other jobs, so I could have got another job um but i I got this voluntary say, and my wife said, "You know we'll go for it may as well give it to go and, uh, and I did and you know, it's it's the first year was okay. I, was, I actually earned more than I did as a jeweller, and then the second year I'm progressively earning more, and at the peak of it, I was earning twice as much as I'm earning now, really, because you know you got paid a lot. As I was in all the magazines and newspapers, which don't exist anymore. Um, so, uh, but I've got like you know, so, like I so said, I've got a nice house, and you know, I've got you know a comfortable life. I'm not, I, I'd never pack in because I, I, I love what I do. Um, I'm not, I don't have a pension or anything like that. So I kind of, I'll carry on until I drop. Which, but that's, I
0: From a past interview, I've read that your wife does the books. And you're not. Carol
1: does the books, yeah. yes. Yeah, she's the bookkeeper and she keeps it all, because I'm pretty rubbish at that. I kind of have this um, blind spot when it comes to, you know, when you get loads of forms to fill in. Yes. And I just look at it, and I, I think I'm slightly dyslexic because my spelling's rubbish. I mean, the Times sent me a for Christmas once. <laughs>
0: um,
1: it was, <laughs> I just got this package with Happy Christmas to I me, mean, and it rolled me up, and I put a dictionary. Um <laughs> That's well, funny, And, <laughs> um, and when I did oink the comic, Mark, one of the other editors, always went, I, you know, he, he read, he proofread everything, but he always double checked mine. Um... And it's kind of I think in actually in Private Eye in the Private Eye fifty years of Private Eye cartoons, Mick Newman who edited it. So Tony is very prolific and you know, and um he said and he has um, a, imagin- a a very a great imagination with spelling or something, you know, so um so <laughs> the spelling is is well known. Um and so yeah, um what was quite can't remember the question you was know. a
0: well, how did you, tell tell me about the jump from from drawn art and 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 cartooning and gags to television? Because you know it was glossed over a bit there, but you had, uh, oink, and I guess so. Viz was part of your life growing up, probably like everybody's, well, right? And then you did yeah, uh, I, around the bend and Hanger Seventeen. That must have been, been an exciting time, but I imagine. Tell me about that.
1: Well, it was because with Um I used to write because my drawing style is quite loose. So, uh. Um, know
0: did you draw? Did you write? Tell me what your. Oh, yeah, you no, from?
1: I drew and wrote, and I wrote for other people. I drew characters called Horace Wiggles Face Watkins.
0: <laughs> did you um, do that That E.C. cover with the horse? Um. Which cover was that? I don't know. Did it's you? on your website, and you've got a couple of the. Uh, Oink issues, and you've got uh, a picture of Horace, and it's in an old EC Vault of Horror comic book style?
1: Oh, yes, I did that. That's I beautiful. Cool I love that,
0: was... that. Was that... Oh, thank you. Did you have EC in um, comics over there growing up? Were that a big part of your life, comics?
1: Yeah, comics. I mean, uh, i I heard British comics. Yeah. We used to get the Dino um, and and a comic called, when I was a bit older, The Victor, uh-huh. which was a British comic. Um, quite, you know, um, and it's more, it wasn't a cartoony comic They had a character called Tougher the Track And this is a guy who was is um, A great athlete but he lived on fish and chips um, But he would beat the best in the world It was like one of those and, mm-hmm. um, It was So I was The Victor and, and um, The Beezer There was one called The Beezer which I loved So they were the comics I was brought up on Yeah, So I did have this grounding in comics it's such a um, different style be,
0: from the the single and and four panel gags that you draw now um,
1: well, what was, um yeah well my style doesn't suit um my doesn't suit like the flicker papers it mine's kind of loose so it had such get, an
0: underground feel yeah, to it you know i mentioned this last time yeah, we talked it really well, had that underground art vibe about it
1: yeah, it did, and to get in, for me to draw for a comic, I'd have to create my own, um, and that was, so I was I was a cartoonist then, and this, where I worked, there was um, a guy called Patrick Gallagher who came in to see me, and he wanted to be a cartoonist, and I was doing okay as a, a gag cartoonist then, yeah. and like I said, there was loads of magazines, and then he rang me one day, So said he'd met this writer called Mark Rogers, who writes for the comics, so there was three of us in the high... So he said, we must meet up. So I met Mark Rogers, who died about 15, 20 years ago now, had cancer. Um, and me, Mark, and Pat got on really well. And we just talked about like, with comics, and we just said, it will be great to create our own. And so we, Mark was well in, Mark was the main, one of the main writers for children's comics for IPC. Yeah. And Mark rang Bob Painter, who was the head of children's comics, Of head of comics, and said, could we ever go do our own comic?" And Bob, you know, totally respected Mark's talent, and he was a great writer. Um, And he said, yeah, let's give it a go, so they managed they gave us money for a dummy. Um, I then contacted all the people who didn't work in comics that I knew. Um, Bob Payne contacted people who he knew, and Mark did, in in proper comics. So I got punch artists like Bankers and David Haldane, and People had never drawn for comics, a bit like me. So yeah, that's why it had a fresh feel to it. They had the established loose stringer, you know, the brilliant sort of typical BMO cartoonists. But then we had the Wild Bank style, my style, which was very loose. And they just mishmash things. things. Um, only went for three years, but it was kind of... the We got in a lot of trouble with it, you know, I mean...
0: It wasn't um, really for kids. It, I, 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 I imagine it was... And you really enjoyed likely inserting the things that entertained you as an adult, yeah?
1: Yeah, we did. We just had Which fun, with leads it. To it trouble really fun.
0: concerned parents? Yeah,
1: we got trouble. Really, I mean, we, it was called on in the House of the Parliament to be banned. Ian Paisley's oh, party tried to ban it. Good for you!
0: No kidding, hey?
1: No, no. Well, I, we did. Uh, um, I, actually, it's in the, in um, what's it called the House of the Parliament Hansard. Yes. Um, when the poll tax came out over here, Mark had done this brilliant piece about what is the poll tax, and um, and this MP read it out in the House of Commons. This thing, he said, my son was reading this comic, and he showed me the poll tax. And Mark had done this incredible speech of what the poll tax was. Yes. And This guy read it out in the House of Commons, and all the MPs were laughing. Um, I also did a script about um, Rambo being um, parachuted into... Toy Town, which is like the British sort of um, you know, like children's program yeah. and there's, there's Pippin Fort and um, all the Disney characters have been captured and were held up in Pippin Fort and um, <laughs> Rambo was sent to free them so he goes through the the town the village of um, Tumblewick Green or something, shooting um, Fireman Sam and Postman Pat all these <laughs> lovely Quaint British characters blasting them up and he frees Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse. But it came out. Um, it, Carol was reading the comic and she said, oh my God, she said, have you seen what story we've got in? And it was a double-page spread drawn by somebody else of this. And it came out the day of the Huntington Massacre when somebody walked through a town blasting about 20 people and killed them. And, um,
0: and the timing an MP was just then
1: had, Yeah. Yeah, well, an MP stood up in court and for, in Parliament saying, This disgraceful magazine, I mean, the idiot didn't realise that it was written three months before it was printed the week before, Um, but he he called for it to be banned from, and then they, Smith panicked, put it on the top shelf next to Men Only and Playboy.
0: W.H. Smith?
1: Yeah, Yeah. W.H. Smith, they put it on the top shelf, they they didn't want to, they didn't, the section, so um, it kind of, no one knew where to put it, really. What? Was put, that I mean, led
0: to new opportunities, before. though. That led to round the band and. Well,
1: what when, when, um, when it was, I'd. Just by chance, I went staying with Mick Newman the cartoonist who I mentioned before. Nick um, Noonan? Mick, his private Eye. Yeah. He's a friend of Ian Hislop and works met Private Eye. He writes Private Eye as well. He's one of the main guys there. And Nick's an old friend of mine. And I was staying with him. Um, and Nick said, I'll be home about 5 o'clock. So. I was waiting outside his house in London, and it started to rain, and this lady came and went in next door, and then she came out and said, are you waiting for Nick? So I said, yes. Yeah. So she said, well, do you want to wait inside? So I went inside, she made a coffee, and it was a girl called Denise O'Donoghue who ran this TV company called Hattrick Productions yeah. who had just started. And so Nick came in, and we had a good chat, and she was lovely, and, and about two years later, when Oink finished, Yorkshire TV wanted to do an oint version of it, and said, we'll make you an offer you can't, we can't you won't refuse. And we saw the offer refused it straight away, it was derisory. And so I just, I rang Nick and I said, do you remember that lady who called round who took me in that time when you were late? So he said, yes, yeah. can you put me in touch with her? So he gave me the number, and I rang Denise, and Hattrick was just starting out, they had Jimmy Moles and a guy called Rory McGrath, the three of them. So I went down to London, and you know, Hattrick and other one of the biggest companies in Britain.
0: Yeah, I've um, heard of it, yeah.
1: And they just said, well, i they've looked into Oink, and the copyright's all tied up with IPC. It'd be a nightmare. Come up with your own program, you've all got the talent. So we came up with Round the Bend, and Hattrick helped us do the first one, and then left us to it. But they got all these amazing people in, like- Spitting image. Needs, John Henderson. Yeah. The director was John Henderson.
0: Yeah.
1: And then we got an animation company from locally, um, called Catalyst, and, and Nick Park's company that did, when in their early days, did something for us. Um, so there's all these amazing people just, and suddenly we'd gone from being, so that's when I, I started hanging out with Roy McGrath, who was one of the writers and a TV personality, and he used to go to the Groucho Club in London. Yeah. And I joined the Groucho Club, and that's where I would, I'm, I'm really, really good at networking. It's what I love doing. Because I like people and people seem to like me. So I just meet, met all these fascinating people and, and they kind of, my career went into a different place. Um, I'm still a member of the Groucho Club after 25 years now. Um, in fact, it's the 30th anniversary next year of the Groucho Club in London and they invited me down for dinner and to talk about my memories of it, because I was a regular there, and talking about my memories of it. And at the end of the, the dinner, Alice, the editor, said, I said, how many of these stores can you use? So she said, two. And I said, I'd been there about an hour and a half. So it was quite a wild time, it was quite a rock and roll time. But um, So I kind, of, I kind of moved across a bit into the TV world. And then I wrote, then we did Hang the 17, which was, Fairly, because the BBC had no, you know, they just didn't go with it. Um, Kids' entertainment variety Yeah. Then I started writing the film, I had an idea of there's a footballer over there called Duncan Edwards, who died in the Munich air crash, and I had this idea of Duncan Edwards coming back as a ghost to help a young kid to become as great a footballer as he was going to be, and I told Rory about it one night and. Um, he told Ginny Moval at Hadswick and they commissioned us, me and Rory, to write a film. So the film didn't happen, because a lot of films don't, but I was moving into that sort of world as well. Because that's what I do. I just, If a door opens, I just go through it. Really. it just, it's, I just find it fascinating.
0: See where it goes. I just want
1: to see what's on, on the other side, see where it goes. Push it as far, and that's what I've always done. And I think that's where I'm different, where I just... My motto was nothing's... Nothing's, nothing's impossible and that's my motto that was always my motto in what I do um, it's, you know in work that is yeah. <laughs> not so great in life but um, work wise I don't I'm not scared of anybody or anything really because I believe in what I do totally um, and I believe in my talent So you
0: know? Tell us, uh, what projects are you working on right now? You know, I, I, I looked at Imagine a Tiger and and uh, you've been involved with a number of charities over the years. I, I, one of your books, I think. Yeah,
1: the, the dementia things. I'm no yeah. dementia expert, um, which I'm not, but, you know, I'm not, I am not. I'll get invited to dementia things now. Um, I've, I've been asked to open a care home. <laughs> um, so I've gone from rock and roll at the ground to open a care home. Um <laughs> I'm doing. I do this thing at, at it's Festival Number Six, which is one of the big festivals in Britain. Yeah. Um, at Port Merion, you know where the danger, where the Prisoner was filmed. Mm-hmm. You know, Patrick MacGowan. Yes. That is filmed at Portmeirion. Oh, really? And um,
0: I'm not an owner. Um, I'm, yeah.
1: I'm, yeah, that's right. Well, that's why it's called Festival Number Six, because it's you know that's all based around that. Okay, so, yeah. And I do the thing called the Cartoon Confessional. And it's where I had this idea, I did it at a few festivals, where they build me a confessional booth, I then sit in the confessional booth, take people's sins, draw them, and hand them back in the redeemed. And <laughs> you just get the most amazing, it's bizarre. It's, you know, so it's this is something
0: that you've, you've undertaken, you've already begun?
1: I've done, it. I've done a few did a few games. of something called the Secret Garden Party in Cambridge. Oh my! I've done a few local ones. <clears throat> but you've done the booth club. where you've
0: drawn out the sins.
1: Yeah, I, I sit in the booth. People come in and tell me the stories, and then I draw it and hand them back, and they're redeemed. So, and it, it's uh, usually all about sex or drugs or something like ah. that. But I'll, I'll draw anything. You know, what I mean, one girl said, "Any venal um, sins?
0: Any mortal sins in there? I Any venal or mortal Any sins watching. in there?"
1: Yeah, well, there's one guy who said um, who said that, you know, it was at Cambridge Festival. I mean, most of them were like young kids saying about sex. And one girl said, my boyfriend likes to put me ask when I'm painted as a tiger. Is that the same? So he had to draw that, you know. And, well, you know, so there's things like one boy said, every time I see a wasp, I want to masturbate. And, you know, it's really silly. And you know, every time I see a wasp, Really? I want to masturbate. So, <laughs> well, I, that I, logic, I, but there's one that? guy who was hanging around, and he just came in. And he said, Father, um, I think of sins. So I said, well, what have you said? He said, I set fire to this guy's house when he was in it, and he's in intensive care now. But he ripped me off in a fucking drug deal. And no one fucking does that. So um, he said, is that a sin? So I said, well, I think I just wanted him to go. So I did this quick drawing of him, this broke on fire. And he gave it to me. He said, oh, brilliant, man. That's brilliant. Oh, God. Right, I'm going. Cheers, pal. And he went. I just thought, oh my God. But the, most of them were just fun. Yeah. And, um, you know, but there was one woman that I did one locally, and she kind of just said, um, Are you a real preacher? Are, are you real? And she said, No, no. So she went, This is wrong. I said, Well, and the one I was doing was for a charity. So I said, It's just a laugh for charity. You know, you're just, I'm obviously not a preacher or a, a, a Catholic priest. You know, you just people telling us certain things and give us five quid to our charity and she said no I said no that's wrong so she said can I tell you mine so I said yeah so she sat down and started crying said about how she's being abused by men how men never love her and oh she's got loads and loves for everybody and, and it's like oh my god she was there for ages and all these people coming up to have their sins to pay money for charity. Mm-hmm. And I, so you, you do get you get a mix but most of them are fun so I've got this weekend, I've got three days of taking people's confessions. And at the end of it, you do feel a bit messed up, to be honest. But, um, so that, there's that sort of side of me that I just will try anything. I've got, um, I, I want to work on a, 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 I've got a couple of more book ideas. Um, I've, I'm editing another book for the propaganda people on uh, 20th century cartoons, which will be fun. Um, and, um, I'm doing these, I do workshops in schools. Um, I did a workshop in, I got involved with the recovery, you know, with Paul, my son.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, when he got involved with the recovery people up in Lancashire, I did as well. And ended up working, doing some um, workshops in prisons. And we created a prison comic, which is the only prison comic ever created in Britain, I as I know. with an am totally drawn by the work, by the prisoners. I and mean, these are life, and these are not just you know, yeah. in there for a few days. And we take this prison comic, which is brilliant. Um, so
0: what's the name of that program?
1: The, the comic was called The Bird. I, it was, I, I got involved with the drug reco- uh, drugs and alcohol yeah. recovery setup up up yeah. in Lancashire. And um, we um, so and one of the, they said, would, would I work in prison? So I said, yeah. Word, you know, I don't mind and they paid me, you know and, sure. um, so I worked with these prisoners and I didn't know what to do but then I thought, well, let's create a comic because we work in schools a lot do workshops in schools and we create a comic in a day in the school mm-hmm. um, so all the kids, like, got, at the end of the day we have all between them little groups of kids um, like sit on a table create their own characters and stories and it's a great way for kids to just let their minds go So we, you know, I've got um, I've got loads of irons in the fire. Um,
0: You did um, work with uh, environmental uh, investigation agency, I think. One of your books didn't the proceeds go to the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children? Um, You you seem to have a fairly developed philanthropic streak, you know. Well, I do. You know,
1: I mean, I. um, I work in I've worked with um lots of charities and still do and still I don't mind that, you know, I mean we do get cartoonists do get loads of requests but um I mean the EIA I did a book um on the Rhino, the plight of the Rhino with yeah. that Canadian writer I told you about David Day. Mm-hmm. Um I've also done the book, the NS, NSPCC, the Children's Book, was one where I got all the other cartoonists to buy a cartoon. Uh, Which was probably harder work than doing that myself, to be honest. -hmm. Um, And I'm always doing work for, you know, auctions and charities. You'd be
0: like your dad, Um, then you'd have to chase these other cartoonists to get the project completed and delivered on time.
1: Yeah, I did. I did did that. You know, being stressful um, Than doing your own. Yeah. It is. And, I mean, most cartoonists are very good. Um, But with what made the mistake with the children's boot was to ask some celebrities because I thought they might help the sales. And then I didn't know any, you know, I didn't know them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do now, I know lots of famous people. Um, but the, um, so it was, you know, it was tough really, but it did it and it sold well. So the NSPCC got good money for it. Um,
0: that's the yeah, Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Children, S P C Yes, that's
1: it, yeah, yeah. yeah. I stumbled on that one. Yeah. Um and I worked on something recently that raised, you know, a couple of thousand quid for some charity. So, yeah, I mean, oh, I, did, I yeah, I did one in uh, a friend of mine has a restaurant in Manchester, and we did one for breast cancer. I think we raised £10,000 that night. So, not just my cartoons, but I managed to get all the people I know now, lots of celebrity stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I don't mind doing that. I don't mind doing that. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. You know.
0: So, yeah. what's next for you then? Yeah.
1: Um, well I mean I, I, it's at the moment I've um, I've just done an animated ad Oh, well, that's what I've just finished um, for a finance company um, it was good I, I did this poster uh, not poster there's a club in Manchester a rock club called the Ruby Lounge in Manchester um, and a friend of mine David um, J. Taylor runs it and I know all the rock venues in town because I go to them like I said um, and I was talking to Jay and I said, oh, How would you fancy having a mural on your wall? Um, so he said, oh, wow, brilliant, because he loved my work and he was a yeah. big fan of my work. And he used to be like uh, when he was a kid. So I did this big mural, um, which is about 30 foot long, I think. And it's basically if you're in a rock band and you look out at the audience, it's the audience looking back at you. Uh-huh. And, um, and so I spent, I did it in a day. I did it, I got there at the 11 o'clock and finished it at 5 just, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people in this because it work very quick. And they're all is you know, they're all like, you know, but it's just the heads and their arms and things because and, you're on stage looking down into the pit. Um, but it was filmed by North Television, um, Northwest News, and I didn't know it, but a few days later, we got a phone call from this advertising company saying, would I be interested in working on a, a cartoon animation for um, this company called Ocean Finance, and I said, "Yeah, of course." So I met up with them, and what had happened? The guy who owns Ocean Finance lives in Manchester, and was watching Northern News, and Northern, work, news? and then uh, Northern BBC Northern yeah. Television, gotcha. the news, you know, yeah. the Northern local news yeah. on television. And um, his assistant, uh, his, his, peer, his public publicity assistant. Uh, got text at midnight saying, Get Tony Husband and she didn't know what he was talking about. So she rang the next day and said, What do you mean get Tony Husband?
0: Yeah, the the so sports presenter, then, right? Was she thinking of you or the
1: other well, two? Yeah. yeah, but no, she was so she said, What do you mean get to he said, I saw his cartoons on and uh, it's just what I want for this advert. Yeah. So I have done this advert of these two guys talking. i have done the storyboards and we got I went down to the voiceover, so that's happening. Um, I've seen it's finished now, it's gone to the client, so hopefully they'll approve it and it'll be on show in September. But it's a big one, you know, it's not, it's, they're a big company. And I've just finished a book of um, of t- uh, to illustrate called Teenage Depression. I'm doing this other book now for editing, um, for, um, you know, for, for the shows who want to do the propaganda. Yeah. And then I've got an idea of doing another book, which at the moment, um, it's to do with um, addiction and recovery. So I'm going to speak to my son about that, you know, project I want to do with him. Um, So loads of stuff like that. And whatever the next phone call is, basically. um, You know, so I'm the the challenge is just to keep coming up with new ideas and keep, you know, trying different things.
0: Well, the, Um, the personal projects, the... I imagine the the projects that are personal to you are, are going to be as powerful as, as the book of your dad. You did take care, of son. Yeah, I look forward to those. I will buy all of those and and tell people about them.
1: Oh right. thank you, thank you. Yeah, I mean it's. Um, I just love what I do. I just love doing this. Um, I want to talk about what I've done. It's kind of quite impressive in a way, um, but I don't. I kind of. Underplay it, I don't... No one knows what I do around it. I live in D cross where I live. They know I draw cartoons, but I, they, I used to draw for the local mag- uh, local newspaper, which is given away free. Um, and that's what people think I do. They think that that's all I do. <laughs> um, and occasionally, but if I don't go mounting off, i I've won this, I've won that, because people don't get it. Uh, when I go into Manchester, they understand it there more. You know, the art community, which I've the creative community in Manchester and at the Croucher Club where you feel at home because everyone's doing the same sort of creative thing Um, so you know it's just um, as long as I love doing it I just love ideas and you know projects and looking forward to Festival Number 6 because I'll have free pass to see all these bands that I like and um, get to meet them and you know and you know I just there's no end to it really
0: no, that sounds brilliant. What are you listening to right yeah. now, music-wise? What are you listening Music to?
1: Music-wise, I will just have. There's um, I just shoot from a CD player. There's there's a band called Row. I don't know if you know a band called Row.
0: Row. R- based in how do you spell uh, that? L O W. L O W. L O no, W. I I'll look it up. They're,
1: they're from um, they're from America, uh, Duluth. They live in Dulles. So I was listening to them. I've been listening to quite a lot of rap stuff. Oh right. really?
0: Um well, yeah, I remember yeah, a guy called Yeah.
1: There's a DJ Rashid he's called, oh Rashad is who I heard and just like thought he was great. Um and the band they've been playing a lot called The Brian Jonestown Massacre. Um I've just ordered I ordered Neil Young's new album because I love Neil Young.
0: Yeah, Neil Young's
1: page. Um I just love Neil Young. He's like up there he's like long. Chuck so, Ravens is over album, from where like. I am. Yeah. Yeah. there's a funny story with Neil Young actually I was um, I went to see Neil Young play at Reading he was playing with Pearl Jam they were backing him and I knew John Peel John Peel was a friend of mine and um, I went with another friend Mark Riley who's at Radio 1 Radio 6 as his own Radio 6 music programme Mark was in a band called The Fall and he worked on Oink he did think thing called Harry's Head so I went to see Neil Young and then with, I was with John Peel and he said I'll oh, come backstage with us he had a little caravan where he was doing his radio show. So we go backstage, and I went right to the front between the audience and the stage, just where the, all the security, security guards are. Security I that close month. to it. Yeah. And at the end of it, we walked backstage, and I saw Mark. I said, wow, that was amazing. He said, yeah, I just met Neil Young. So I said, where is he? He said, he's there behind you, and he was sat in his car. So I went over and said, Neil, that was amazing. Thank you. And he said, oh, thank you. Did you enjoy it? And then somebody tried to give him something. The kid came running up and said, Neil, take this. So he wound the window up and he drove off. But I was telling an American friend years later, who was me, a Neil Young friend, I so met Neil Young. I said, he's in his car, he's absolutely knackered, but he was great. And this American guy goes, Oh, man, that's, that's embarrassing. So I said, No, no, he's it's, it's fine. He said, He was knackered, but he was great. He said, Oh, man. He said, That's terrible. He said, That's terrible. So I said, What is it? Seeing a guy naked? So
0: I said,
1: no, knackered. Brilliant. No, Neil Young's so not said, like what, that. He said, <laughs> what's knackered? What's so, sort knackered? Of, Fagged he out. He said, I thought he said he was naked. Yeah. So I said, no oh, knackered, which is for tired. Yeah. He said, all right, all right. So I said, "So Neil
0: Young sat in the car naked. You thought he had an so, expose um, for just a second. Decide we never yeah, knew. Yeah,
1: I know, I know. So, uh, but, so I, I've been playing a lot. Of, I always play Neil Young. I've got my drum kit here, so every now and again I'll stick a record on and drum to it Yeah. fairly badly um there's a band called the Beater band they've been playing a lot
0: the beater band
1: the scottish band yeah b b e t a they don't exist anymore beater, yeah. um yeah but the, the the actual people who've left the band are from the other bands are really great so it's like a little family of bands that i love so yeah that's you know oh i never i've got to meet Stephen Isserlis, who is um one of the world's great cellists i went of the Python, Monty Python, for friends of mine, and I went to their last show, and I went to the after show party. And I was staying with Terry Jones, um, I was staying with Terry that night, so I was in Terry's dressing room and talking to this girl whose whose who's boyfriend is Stephen Isserlis. So I've been listening to his cello playing a lot, and it is amazing. So, um, you know, so I've, I've I've I like all sorts of music.
0: Well, I forget who it was. I always get this one mixed up. It might have been Duke Ellington. He said there are two kinds of music: good music and bad music. I play the good kind. Yeah, you know, but you got fairly yeah. eclectic yeah. tastes. But it's all good, isn't it?
1: It is, yeah, yeah. it is. I mean, and I can't. I mean, uh, there are bands I don't like, but sure. I can't say oh, they're rubbish because so many people like them, you know. And yeah. well, they don't need my endorsement. Something but... from them, yeah, you know. But I just keep quiet on other music that, uh, I just absolutely love.
0: You know, I just listened to "After the Gold Rush" the other day because I hadn't listened to that forever, and yeah, Neil Young, know, oh, good Canadian son.
1: Huh? Yeah, yes. Question yeah. for you:
0: You mentioned that you have a drum set yeah. that you that you dabble with. Have you yeah. ever thought of playing music with a group just for fun or or professionally?
1: I, I, I wanted to. And it was one of my dreams to be in a band, but I didn't have the confidence. Well, I had the confidence to take anything on, and this. I've got some friends in the band called British Sea Power, uh, quite a big British band. And then Martin, the guitar player, had a stag do, um, was, and he had it at this place called Cam Hill, which is the most remote part of the remoteest pub in Britain. It's up in the Yorkshire Moors. And they, there was a load of bands on playing that night, and it got into quite a drunken night, as it always does with British Sea Power. But Martin said, "Tony, come on, you're going to play the drums," and I couldn't, even though I'd had a lot to drink, I still couldn't do it. Um, and I, afterwards I, I still think, oh god, you should have just got up. You regret it? Yeah. Um, well yeah, you don't have yeah, to yeah.
0: you don't have to open up with a mass of drum solo. I mean you could fill, you know
1: Oh yeah, I know I could I know that I know that and I wish I had. But if something stopped me. When's your um, next opportunity were...
0: to play drums uh publicly again? When? When's your next opportunity? Oh, I, do you think, if you were to put yourself well, out
1: there? Well, I, I tour the I tour the country with a poet called Ian McMillan.
0: Ian McMillan, yeah. Um,
1: Ian's, Ian's a Yorkshire poet, and we've I toured it for fifteen years now. We, we we do come we do village halls around Britain, where poetry um, fans a,
0: are a forgiving group. They'd accept your drums.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. I did drum in the church once and I was told shut up because we were doing this gig in the church and there was a drum kit in the back so yeah. I started playing it and the vicar came down and he said, you're very good but will you please be quiet? <laughs> so, um, so I got told off by a vicar so that's rock and roll I suppose. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, that's the other thing I do. I do The Country with Ian McMillan um, doing our cartoon and poetry show where we create a poem out of nothing about the place we're at and the audience join in, so I draw... Oh, that's the right, The uh,
0: and... Story of Here. Is that the name of the the project you did with Ian McMillan?
1: No, it's, it's History of Here. History of Here. Yeah, History. The History of Here. And it's just, it starts out, we're in a village called, say, Upton. There's a village called Upton in Lincolnshire. And Ian will start by midnight at Upton Village Hall. Midnight, so I'm drawing Upton Village Hall. And then he says, what will you see outside Upton Village Hall? And that's when the audience... Shout things out, and I then draw in a funny way what they shout, um, and that really, it's a really good show. And it was, although it's quieted down a lot since the recession, the village don't have the money. But we've done about five or six hundred of these shows. Um, hundred. Yeah, it's 500, about five hundred. Yeah, well,
0: they sound brilliant too, and and I mean, depending on the act and the audience particip- participation shows, they can be yeah, a lot I mean, of fun. it's a, it's it a, a lot of
1: Let's find if there are children there. It's better because yeah. Ian gets people up from the audience to become part of the toy, so they'll play parts. And children, obviously, up for that. Um, but yeah, so we, so it's a family thing. We come. From, I mean, most of the audience are old, you know they they're older. But when we get family, and Ian's always glad because Ian's brilliant yeah. at getting people up and motivated. Um, I think there's some pictures of us working on on my website, um, history of the. You can see Ian, and um, there's it, not, not a film of it, but there's some still pictures up on my website somewhere on, in the miscellaneous bit. Um, so, but that's the other thing I do a lot with Ian. Um, there's nothing this year now. We've finished this year, but next year we've got quite a few gigs coming up. And I, I do, I've do, i done a number of books with Ian as well for The Orchardman. And we're on... Um, there's a some television program over here called Country File, which is a big, it's just basically obviously it's about the countryside.
0: Like P H uh, I L E, Country File? Or F I L E? Country File. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Countryfile. And we were asked to go on there to talk about Yang- Lancashire and Yorkshire, the rivalry. And they loved it so much, they asked us to go back.
0: Like football rivalry? Um,
1: yeah, you know, the Yorkshire-Lancashire rivalry, because there's this old rival between the two counties. All oh, right, right. It goes back to the Civil War, the War of the Roses. And this is Banton, now. Yorkshire thinks it's the best, and, you know, Ian thinks it's the best. And I was born in Blackpool, so I kind of supported Lancashire. Um, but then they asked us to come back and do the Summer Show, which was at Cotswolds Country Fair. And um, it was in um, Sirencester, so we spent all day with the team film and I was drawing cartoons of of all the events that the team, you know, the presenters were in and he was writing poems and it was just fantastic. And so that's another side of it. The country fire we're gonna ask us to come back and do more. So
0: that sounds brilliant.
1: So lots of
0: stuff. Um, do you travel much? Do you ever get to come out to Canada or the US?
1: We're, we're going to the US in October soon enough. Because Carol's brother is in Syracuse, and we're going to stay in at the, the what's it called? Something by the, on the lake. It's near Niagara on the lake. It's um. Uh, you're going to be on the town. U.S.
0: side. Okay, you know, I, one piece of feedback. Uh, you're going to be near Niagara, yeah.
1: Yeah. Come over um, to the Canadian we're staying side. Staying for two nights.
0: You you might find okay? that the come over to the Canadian side of Niagara Falls if if you get the yeah, opportunity. Yeah, who
1: said that's a better side? We're staying at something by the lake. It's a town called Something on the Lake. Niagara on the Lake, is it?
0: Yeah, that sounds it's right. That sounds right. I'm on the West Coast, we're and it's there. been a decade since I've been there, but it's beautiful, though. And
1: Yeah, well, we're staying there for two nights. We're flying out three nights in New York. Then Carlsbuddle is in Syracuse, so we're going to stay with Roger. Then we're going to Niagara on the Lake, and then we're coming back. And Lodge and some friends got some log cabins up in the hills somewhere.
0: Oh, that's nice. And
1: then we're going to spend two nights back in New York. So, well, I don't know if that's near you.
0: No, a couple thousand kilometers away. But it sounds beautiful. Yeah, that's
1: right? what we. Well, so if we get over here, like, yeah. you know, London, London to Manchester, two hundred miles, which is a, it's a nightmare journey, and then you and you realize that you can go from 2,000 miles from one city to another. No. And well, I mean, we've,
0: no. between all the provinces and territories, you know, here in British Columbia where I am, it, it takes 10 hours just to go from the left side to the right side of my province. But, oh, uh, I know, well. but there you go. Yeah. A question for yeah. you, and, and maybe it's, it's a good, you know, closing sort of a summation question. You know, when I, when I went back through your, your private eye work and jobs, You know, I noticed that the the theme and the tone seemed to shift somewhat from the early, like, 84, to present. You know, it went from more specific to more general. Maybe that's just me, but that's kind of what I observed. How would you describe your work over the years? What would be the underlying theme that unites it all, do you think?
1: Well, um, I think people, you know, just, and I think maturity kind of, as you get older, you know, your you, your thoughts change on life, and you perceive life, and you've had more experiences. I think you could become a bit wiser, perhaps. And um, you know, but, I mean, my first jokes were jokes, perhaps, yeah. just gags, and know, like like a comic would, spurt out gags. I think now my cartoons, perhaps, have got a, a little story in them, or a, a meaning, or a bit more understanding, and. They're not just a joke. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a bit of life in them, a bit about life in them.
0: Is there a personal That's philosophy or a world view that you feel is is exp- you're expressing in your work, or is it situational? I think, I,
1: think, I think I'm just. I just what I do is just show the way human beings are. They just. I just kind of. You know, the way life is and the way people are, I kind of think I'm good at just seeing where people come from and the quirkiness and the eccentricity of life. You know, I just, I always find that amusing. And uh, I think that's what I do. I highlight, I highlight the human life, really, without being too deep, without, not an academic, but I kind of just
0: me. spot little things. You know, one thing so, um, I didn't ask you about, but uh, I wanted to remark on before we close is is uh, Neville. Yeah, well, Neville. Oh, God, Neville. I've
1: actually got to do another one. you just reminding
0: me. Well, you know, because of, um, of all your work, Neville's the one I relate to. and Oh, really? Well, you know, the in that sort of episodic uh, in, uh, cartoons work that you do, yeah, I think so. You know, it, you tell me better than I can say it, but... Is it a certain sort of existential angst that Neville seems to experience, or that comes out in those comics, and uh, I don't know. I just kind of get that. Yeah, I enjoy it. Anyway. Yeah,
1: well, I, kind of Neville is a kind of bit like me. I think I don't. I, I kind of that was just me. That was for the Idol magazine, and it was basically about a bloke who does nothing, which isn't me. Idols. But yeah, it, it, it's kind of just a bit like a silent movie, and. Um, I've got Tom, it went quiet for a while because Tom Hodgkinson, the editor, changed the format of it all. But now you rang me two weeks ago to um, ask me if I could do another one, and i just remembered. Yeah. Um, thank you. <laughs> um My pleasure. Yeah, Neville's like this.
0: Yeah, he told really, me to tell you to get started. I think,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think Neville would make a life of animation program, you know. Yeah, That's I really think good. so so, uh, yeah, but you just reminded me that's what I should be doing next.
0: where did Neville so, come from? Um,
1: um, that's a hell I of a just closing one. Of it, but there you
0: go. I
1: just had this idea of this guy of just this thoughtful guy just wandering around life with no real purpose um, and just just became, you know, just, just an ordinary bloke and just has nothing about him, but he is fascinating because that's what everybody is deep down, even though the most boring people are still interesting.
0: you got a story like um, monologue, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I thought I'd do it without words, and that would be a challenge, to do four pages without a single word. Um, but then I kind of found that He quite says the most, though, mm. you
0: know. I, I think that in a way, maybe he's he, he certainly says at least as as much, you know. But it's got to be a little bit yeah. hard, hey? It's a different style, not to have. Uh, it's really different captions.
1: style, but, but what I can do really well is just in a few little lines, and I can tell someone's thoughts and the story. Yeah. Uh, it just takes a few little lines, um, and that's what Neville is. is just very expressive in a simple sort of way. Yeah. And he's a, he's a child in a way. He's a child of you know just trying to get through. Trying to this, get through you know.
0: it all. Yeah. Well, wow, that's yeah. brilliant. Well, listen, I really appreciate uh you taking the time with me today. You've been very generous with your time. And I want to thank you okay, for that. No, thank fun. you. And you know, before I go, is there one thing I should have asked that I didn't? Anything you want to say before we part?
1: No, I don't think so. I think um, we covered a lot I'm of just, ground. I think we have, yeah, and just I, I enjoy what I do basically. Um and I like Manchester United, and I like music, and I like red wine, and I love my little granddaughter.
0: And tell me your yeah. name again.
1: Um, Emily Daisy.
0: And what day is her birthday?
1: Her birthday. Mine was the 28th. Oh, I know. And happy
0: birthday, by the way. Yeah, I just noticed that on oh, Wikipedia. Oh, thank you. But, uh, and
1: her was, hers was the day after.
0: The day on the 29th. So, oh, that's
1: nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice present. A bit light, but nice
0: present. Yeah. Well, congratulations. That's beautiful. And I, I hope you. everything works out well. And she sounds like a lucky yeah. girl. She's got a supporting and loving family. Yeah, sure.
1: she definitely does that. She does that.
0: So. Yeah, I really appreciate your time today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. I enjoy all yeah, of your and work. You. And, and I look forward to your next project.
1: Thank you. Right, I better get cracking. I better <laughs> do right. Neville, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I really do Neville. like Neville. Neville's great.
1: Anyway. All right, then.
0: All right, well, take care. It's really been a pleasure.
1: And you, all the best. Bye now. Cheers. Bye. Bye.